0: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings. We are back in the saddle again after a long Independence Day weekend. Thank you to our founding fathers for that. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you want to be here with us too, or you can just email us. Let us know what you think. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also try liking us on Facebook, but I got to warn you, it will likely be to no avail because Facebook doesn't like us. So we post tons of content there that you can check out. They just seemingly don't seem to record it when you press like over and over and over again. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or podcast. Last name is D E A C E. We've got a jam-packed show today as we get back to business. We've got some fake news or not coming your way at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we mentioned uh, our Twitter feed earlier. We talk a lot about social media bannings because that's one of the big uh, that's one of the biggest battlefronts in America's culture war at the moment. We're going to talk to a man. Who wants to do something about it and create a competing social media platform, except big tech isn't all too uh, keen on being competed with. We'll let you hear his story a little bit later on. And then Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. You know it's bad when I volunteer to talk about soccer. Because I, I, I don't know, I, I'm not into the sport. I don't follow it, I, and and people tell me you don't. Know, we're talking. I used to get paid to cover this sport professionally, folks. I covered it professionally for years, for the local newspaper here. It was one of my very first beats. We have a minor league professional soccer team here, right? So I've, I've covered it for years. I'm, I'm actually pretty well educated on it. You may not doesn't mean doesn't mean my opinions are right. All right, doesn't mean they're right, but they're not. They're not uninformed. Okay, but I'm I'm wondering, did they play soccer the last couple of weeks? Were there games? Because when I looked at my social media feeds, all I heard was just some bitching and moaning, kvetching, uh, histrionics. We're going to get into that uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. But have you seen what's going on with gold lately? Prices are finally starting to reflect today's crazy financial world. If you've been thinking about buying gold lately, you're in good company. Uh, People own gold for many reasons. For example, central banks, governments, big and small, are running the gold for protection against a falling dollar, out of control, government spending, not to mention good old-fashioned profit. If you want to get in on this, call Swiss America today, 800 289 2646 1-800-289-2646, and you can also learn the timeless truth about gold. Now is the time to take action before gold prices hit new record highs. Discover what the experts are saying about gold. Go to SwissAmerica.com, that's SwissAmerica.com, or give them a call at 800-289-2646. But first, before we get to all of that, here's Aaron with what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away? Brought to you by...
1: Everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here
3: now. Thank you.
2: How are you? We'll start with pedophilia, billionaire, investor, and financier Jeffrey Epstein was arrested by the FBI on sex trafficking charges. Yesterday, he was charged by the Southern District of New York with more charges involving one conspiracy to traffic minors for sex. A raid on his home during the time of his arrest yielded photos, some involving children. Epstein has been at the center of numerous allegations involving pedophilia in the past, and his connections to high-profile politicians and influencers are raising some serious questions about who else could be implicated in the case. The New York Times ran a piece on July 3rd claiming air conditioning is sexist. Antifa took the Independence Day holiday to take to the streets of Washington, D.C. and clash with police. Far-left activists burned an American flag in front of the White House as well. Nike's stock rose after Colin Kaepernick put an end to the company's Betsy Ross-themed line of shoes. The former NFL quarterback also posted this video on Independence
0: Day. What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence. Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that declaration of independence extended to us? The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me this 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. There's not a nation of the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour.
2: Also on Independence Day, Congressman Justin Amash announced he's leaving the Republican Party. In an op-ed for The Washington Post, he cited his concern that the two-party system has become an existential threat to American principles and institutions. Former presidential candidate and billionaire investor Ross Perot has died at the age of 89. Joe Biden said this.
0: Look at what's happening with Putin. While he, while Putin is trying to undo our elections, he
1: is undoing elections in in Europe. Look what's happened in Hungary. Look what's happened in in Poland. Look what's happened in Moldova. Look what's happening. You think that would have happened on my watch or Barack's watch? You can't answer that, but I promise you it wouldn't
2: have. Yeah, his administration was in power when these events took place. A new poll of the Iowa Democratic Caucus shows Elizabeth Warren leading the field with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden close behind. Bernie Sanders is back in fourth place with 12%. Eric Swalwell announced he's dropping out of the race for the White House yesterday. In completely unrelated news, I have a large stash of testosterone booster pills that I need to kind of offload at this point, so if you need some, hit me up. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff wore a shirt over the weekend depicting Indian Nazi sympathizer Subhas Chandra Bose. The U.S. women's national team won the FIFA Women's World Cup. The FIFA World Cup women's... The Women's FIFA World Cup... I don't know, they won some big international soccer tournament, and they promptly threw the American flag on the ground. Two legit earthquakes rocked Southern California over the weekend, one a 7.1 magnitude and the other a 6.4 magnitude earthquake on the Richter scale. Starbucks corporate officials were forced to apologize after police officers were asked to leave a Tempe, Arizona location because customers there didn't feel comfortable with their presence in the coffee shop. There's a new trend amongst attention-starved people on the internet of going to Walmart and licking ice cream or spitting in beverages and then putting those items back on the shelf. The Instagram star Bella Delphine has been selling her used bath water to probably the same people who were responsible for the previous story. And now some are claiming they've contracted herpes from drinking said water. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. And finally, everything I just detailed sucked. So here's something that doesn't suck. What we're watching, for those of you listening on the podcast, is a medium-sized dog struggling and finally getting away from someone so he can go and comfort his owner, who is apparently incapacitated and on a stretcher, being attended to by medical personnel. So that's cool. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, and they want to help you a trick. Or if you prefer, inspire. A trick can be a dirty word. So if you want to prefer, inspire uh, your kids uh, to uh, eat and drink their vegetables and fruits uh, in ways they typically don't do this uh, in, in this era where whole foods and uh, we just they're just not a part of the American diet as much as they used to be. That's one of the reasons I think you see all the food allergies and everything else, but that's a whole other rabbit trail. We'll go down that uh, maybe some other time. But uh, if you are wanting to put that back into your diet, back into your family's diet, check out Field of Grains, Real USDA, organic fruits and vegetables complete with the missing antioxidants, which boosts immunity, uh, the prebiotic and probiotic, which also uh, helps to boost immunity in the gut, which is one of the biggest uh, immunity systems in your Entire body as well. Uh, and it tastes great and it's not loaded with sugar either. You can uh, mix it with any water based drink that you would like. Um, so if, if you want to put this in, and make it convenient to get those necessary whole foods your creator intended for you to be eating on a regular basis, you want to get that back into your lifestyle, here's how. Just go to brickhousesteve.com, all one word. Brickhousesteve.com, use my name Steve as a promo code. They'll give you 15% off of your first order at brickhousesteve.com. All right, let's get to uh, some of the items in Aaron's montage. For you uh, subscribers to Blaze TV, what we're going to be talking about in the overtime is not in the montage. But uh, Tom Steyer, a multi-billionaire lefty donor, has announced he is going to formally run for the Democratic nomination for president. We're going to discuss... What that may mean for the race, how serious of a candidate is he, and given his obsession with uh, climate alarmism, what does that mean uh, for the Democrat primary field as a whole? We'll be discussing that today in the overtime for our subscribers. If you're not yet a subscriber, blazetv.com slash dace is how you can become one, and you'll get a reduced subscription courtesy of using my name uh, as something other than a swear word this time. blazetv.com slash dace. Um, you got sick buying someone's bathwater. Romans 1 undefeated, y'all. Wins Romans 1 undefeated. You can't fade Romans 1. Wins every single time.
2: Right? Romans 1 space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, Alabama.
1: The GOAT. Romans 1 is the GOAT yeah. when it comes to predicting what human nature is likely going to do next. Romans 1. Um, the licking the ice cream and putting it back on the shelf. I would like to start another trend to accompany that if we could people that then go to jail for uh misdemeanor battery for punching the morons who do that right on site. All in favor. Aye. 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 Yeah, and yes, I'm, I'm advocating violence for those of you. Well, is think progress even around Did they go out of business.
2: Uh, They're up for sale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And, I don't think there's a jury in the land that will convict me. You're a total douchebag, and we're just going to kick your ass, which your daddy should have done many, many moons ago. Again, all in favor? Aye. I dude code affirmed. We move on. Um, Eric Swellwell, speaking of the dude code, dude code wins. Now, I was beginning to doubt, said dude code every day that Eric Swellwell was there with what seemed to be a crusade in humiliating public cell phones, uh, masquerading his desire at emasculation. Uh, But, um, and that's a lot of big words, but I've been saving them up. It was a long weekend. But um, uh, it's over. Our long national nightmare is over. Ladies, if you're ovulating, let your men know. Conceptions may occur in America once more. Eric Swellwell is no longer here to terrorize America's T-levels because we already have Lindsey Graham. So all was not totally lost this weekend. Eric Swellwell, we hardly knew ye. And I think we're all very thankful for that. Speaking of cell phones, Joe Biden, that stuff wouldn't happen under my watch except when it did. Yes, uh, he's dead, Jim. I, I think he's dead. Like, I think dead, dead. Like, I'm not talking a Thanos snap and then you can come back with a heroic act
3: worse than a Thanos I think I think we
1: are, I think we've okay. flung him off the hill we are off the mountain there uh for the for the soul stone I think he's dead Jim that's what I think this
2: close to whatever Joe Biden's version of please clap is
1: and I think I think Bernie Sanders is approaching that level as well um I I just think it's just not a field that is a voting block that, by and large, is interested in old white males, and they were going to have to perform very well, and they did not. I think they're in a lot of trouble. Do you think I'm overreacting?
3: No, but this is what I've been calling this shot forever. I just yep. And
1: I was with you originally, then I changed my mind, and I should have stuck with my original uh, assumption. We are we are fully in Jeb Bush, 2020 territory
3: you retweeted what what speaks to this you just retweeted what jesse kelly said about what's going on in this party he nailed why joe biden doesn't have a chance
1: yes because
3: it's a it's a spirit of the age
1: cult that's that's really it now i don't think everybody that votes democrat is 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 thinking that way if you want to know who's not you know whatever you know whoever's still supporting joe biden at this point the only reason you are supporting joe biden at this point is is you view him as the last morsel of normalcy in your party to justify voting for the big government Bennies that you're really voting for, right? You're 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 hoping that you don't have to take the full monte with this Faustian bargain, that you can get the big government Bennies without hating your country that's giving them to you at the same time. But alas, it's it's becoming clear that you are part of a rather shrinking base in this party. And I think uh, I, I think he's dead. When, when, you are, when you have a 100% name ID like Mr. Biden and Mr. Sanders do. And so you can't say, well, it was one bad performance. We'll get him next time. This, there wasn't a next time. This was your time. Everybody knows who you are. Maybe if Pete Buttigieg, that's kind of your guy. You want to hold on to that shibboleth. And, and, and maybe he can say, because he's still new. He didn't have a great performance. He can maybe get him next time. But so when you have a hundred percent name ID, and the first time you come forward in front of the public, you faceplant. That this there isn't a next time. This was your time. You're 80. There's not a next time. And I think you are I think and I think Tom Steyer's entrance into this race is a clear indication of that. But we'll talk more about that in the overtime. All right. I want to get to what I think is the big story that happened over the weekend, and that's the uh, arrest and indictment of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, I have read through the indictment, and a few things stuck out to me. Number one, it mentions that um, uh, he was involved with girls as young as 14. Number two, it stresses that two locations, Manhattan and Palm Beach. And number three, it stresses the dates 2002 to 2005. Now, when you read through this indictment, uh, many of you may not know this, but uh, Jeffrey Epstein was under, I believe, a sealed indictment by the Bush Department of Justice in 08. Uh, And the the Bush Department of Justice allowed him to essentially get some kind of a a sweetheart plea deal. Now, this is the Trump Justice Department. This is a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York that is pursuing this and is also the one that pursued the agreement with Michael Cohen and put him in prison. Uh, Trump's former uh, former fixer. I'm going to posit a hypothesis of, wh- of what I think those dates mean, and where I think this may go, barring Jeffrey Epstein remains alive, because there's so many elites inside the Beltway and in Hollywood. He is the Harvey Weinstein of that of the political subculture, meaning he's the Rosetta Stone. That once you break the seal, there will be no end to how far down the rabbit hole goes. There are a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature. You know that if you watch, listen to this show. Um, I am a student of history. And history shows when you have the drop in the goods on that many powerful people, and you are no longer of any use to them. Things tend to happen to people like you. Is that nuts? No, no. I mean we're there, this this man's story includes rape rape islands. Uh, they found catalogs of the girls that he used. I mean there, there, there's there's going to be a paper trail here. What I'm going to say next is a purely an educated, somewhat educated guess. Today, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of Brett Kavanaugh being nominated to the Supreme Court by Donald Trump. I thought he was one of the worst decisions this presidency has made. And based on how he's performed so far, I'm going to stick with that. I've told you all last summer, he was, you were lucky if he was Anthony Kennedy, right? We had all those shows, did all those conversations. Yep. I called him Carl Rove in a black robe. If you would have come to me on August 1st of last year and said, you know what, man, you're going to go all in to defend brett kavanaugh's confirmation and in, and in fact you're gonna go vote for your effeminate loser republican congressman david young in order because of what they tried to do to brett Kavanaugh. i'd have told you you were on crack cocaine uh, meth and and you know um mixing a quaalude i'd have been like you know that great snl skit with dan Aykroyd where he's talking you down from the, on the call-in show all right you're you're, you're way over the line here toke okay and that's exactly what happened. With no evidence whatsoever, nothing, no connective tissue, nothing at all. The American left in this country tried to make Brett Kavanaugh, who, has, who agrees with them more than he agrees with us, frankly, tried to make him out to be uh, the head of a marauding band of, uh, of indiscriminate Georgetown uh, rapists. They put it on national television. People who are running for president now, like Kamala Harris, former prosecutor who should know a thing or two about innocent until proven guilty, ran with it all the way with absolutely no evidence. Not even in an Anita Hill, who worked and followed with Clarence Thomas for years. We at least knew they were they were professional intimates. We at least knew that. There's, there was no connective tissue here whatsoever. And they attempted this in broad daylight with cameras rolling. And they would have gotten away for it, gotten away with it. If Brett Kavanaugh wouldn't have broken free of, of the Republican Party's attempt to bore America to death with his defense that day, discover I do have testicles," and said, "Hell no," and saved his own reputation, let alone career. right? Yeah. What do you think they might do to a president they want to get rid of? who? in 2002, was quoted as talking about what a great guy this predator, Jeffrey Epstein is. Has pictures of him with him. And has even written in his books in the past about his sexual conquests, activities of an illicit nature. And is even on video infamously bragging about them. What do you think these same people might try to do with that given what we just saw them do months ago with no no connectivity nothing connecting christine blasey ford and brett Kavanaugh at all with just putting julie swear what was her julie swearing swearinger was that her name the gal who was completely debunked with the marauding bands of rapists that uh, Kavanaugh was a part of, they just put her on national television, man. Sight unseen. What do you think these same people might do with something like this? And I, and, and I, I think there's a hint. There's a, there's a tweet that was sent out over the weekend by Christine Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's daughter. And if you look at what happened with Harvey Weinstein, the, the new true-believing left tried to take him out. And NBC News, the limousine liberal left, didn't want to do Ronan Farrell's story. Remember, they rejected it. And so we had to take it to the harder left New Yorker. And that's how this got into the, the jet stream. And the true believing left used that to purge them of a lot of inconvenient limousine liberal, you know, we we, we like the leftist language when it lines our pockets. But the, they, they used that to purge a lot of their ranks over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Well, in this tweet, Christine Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, says, you know, it's going to be rather disappointing. As people we used to look up to, we used to admire, see their names come out. But it will be worth it for justice to be done, basically, is what she says. The Clintons, we have records of at least two dozen trips Bill Clinton has taken in his lifetime with Jeffrey Epstein. Another man that we are fully aware of his sexual peccadilloes. It nearly cost him a presidency. He's He's only the second president in American history to be impeached and to face a removal trial. Andrew Johnson was the other. It's tainted his legacy forever. It's one of the main reasons, given her behavior during all of those years... His wife is so disliked and didn't get elected president the last time. The Clintons have been a major albatross on Democrats for the last several years. They cost them the presidency this last time. They've put feminists in an impossible situation. Feminists were getting asked the kinds of questions in the 90s about Bill Clinton that evangelicals get asked today about Donald Trump. A lot, a a lot of bile has been swallowed over the years by the American left in order to get what they want out of the Clintons. What can the Clintons do for them now? Answer, not a damn thing. The Clintons can only hurt them. They're, they're a lost leader. We're way beyond the point of diminishing returns. And so just, just as you threw Harvey, you, you, you take out a Harvey Weinstein that you knew for years was an open secret, right? Right? Wasn't Oprah and the like just giving him standing ovations like 10 minutes before all these stories started coming out? And and when Harvey Weinstein can no longer help your career, that's when you stop looking the other way and we start telling the truth. And now everybody's truth starts coming out. Could we reach a similar moment with the Clintons? You throw them under the bus first, they can't help you anymore. This is information you didn't have in 1995, 1996, 1997, especially because you know one of the other names that's implicated in this? Can you believe it? Ken Starr. His name has shown up in several reports with, where, this is, where, this, where this is concerned. What that means or who knows, I don't know. But is it a stretch to think The same people who tried to take out a Supreme Court nominee they didn't like with absolutely no connection to the accusations whatsoever, other than he's from the same town. And so are lots of other people. And these accusations were what, 1982, 35 years old? Do you guys think it's nuts? You throw the Clintons overboard, you get rid of them. They can't, politically, they're they're of no help to you on the left anymore whatsoever. They're only a a, a deterrent. And you use that to do what you did in the Alabama Senate race a couple of years ago. Except this time, we're not talking about a guy who went from backwater rural Alabama to getting into West Point, which is like a 99.99% possibility to begin with then graduates at the top of his class then goes to war and comes back with um uh comes back with 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 um with, with more medals than your average tranny's had uh hormone treatments um then he goes, he goes to Harvard law and then like he comes home for 4 years goes insane becomes matthew mcconaughey's character in in dazed and confused and then it suddenly ends Marries a single mom at a Bible study in the 70s, which is like, it'd be scandalous to find a single mom at a Bible study in the South in the 70s. Marries her, stays married to her, never does anything ever wrong ever, ever again. No doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't even drive, rides a horse. And that, that, and, and, and by the way, there are, there's still, there is no statute of limitations on sexual exploitation of a minor in Alabama. The Gadsden County officials, the sheriffs, they could go arrest Roy Moore and, to, to, and right now. But that narrative, and it might be true, we don't know what happened. That's, we don't know what happened in the Gadsden Mall in 1978. We don't know. But that narrative is why you have a Democrat sitting in a U.S. Senate seat in the state that just passed the best abortion law, maybe, in American history. Right? Most or Best pro-life law. Right? Mm-hmm. What do you think they might try to do with the guy who puts in writing, here's all the things, the illicit affairs and things I've done? Here's my here here's 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 my porn star mystery. Right. What do you think they might try to do with that? Now's when you guys can tell me, I'm nuts.
3: You'd be but nuts if it, you weren't thinking it.
2: Dang it, Todd. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. No, it's it's you would either be completely crazy. Or having lived under the largest rock for the last 10 years, uh, really the last, you know, uh, five years especially, if you did not think that that was going to happen. Here's the thing though, I mean, it was just two weeks ago, What's her? Fa- I can't even remember her name now, uh, the writer for... Uh, you know the, the dear. Uh, I don't remember her I name either. Yeah. I can't remember her name. She said that uh, yeah, Trump, Trump raped her in a in a in a yeah.
1: highly surveilled right. uh, up, upscale store yeah. thirty five years ago. So
2: yeah. what um, to quote uh, to bring this somewhat full circle and quote Hillary Clinton at this point what difference does it make um, now that, I'm not absolving him but I'm just saying. Trump has been, has faced these ever since he said go and you know went down the elevator in 2015. He's been facing stuff like this uh, pretty much ever since then. Um, so I I fail to I, I mean I know that's not what you're necessarily saying that he that something like this is going to take him down finally. But uh, at this point it it seems like man he's already faced a lot of these types of things. I don't know how this one would be much different unless there's more evidence.
3: Underage girls. That's why it's different. All
2: right, we're
1: going to switch gears. We're going to talk about Justin Amash and his departure from the GOP and fake news or not. Next, right here on the Blaze Radio, TV, and podcast. Stay tuned. Yes, it would be weird if you had a stoplight at your kitchen table telling you when it was time to stop eating. That's why your creator nature put one in your body. It's called OEA. Well, it's actually called a longer name than that. But its abbreviation is OEA, and it just simply has one function in the body. It sends a signal from the gut up to the brain that says, hey, we're full. We can stop eating. Uh, Let's uh, get active, kick that metabolism into gear, and move on with the rest of our day. Unfortunately for too many of us, for various reasons, it's just the way we were born, age, um, uh, behavioral choices we've made. For too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be, and that's where RidUZone comes into play. All RidUZone wants to do is put that OEA back in your body to help you uh, curb and control your appetite the way you were intended. Now, this isn't loaded with chemicals, caffeine. It's not a stimulant. Uh, What it is, it's just this OEA. That's pretty much all that it is. If you want to give this a shot, find out if it's the the missing link in the losing battle with your bulge. Uh, Just go to the website, RidUZone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, for RidUZone.com, and use my name as a promo code when you do, and they'll give you a special offer, okay? To RidUZone.com. All right, let's get to fake news or not. And I I posted his column, Justin Amash, Congressman from Michigan, representing a district. For those of you that are new to the show, I know this district well. I grew up there in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, He announced over the weekend, one of the founding members of the House Freedom Caucus, I believe at Conservative Review, he's got about a lifetime 90% voting Liberty score. Uh, Former Tea Party darling. I think he's been there since 2010, I believe. So, is that right? Got elected so. in 2010. Yep. All right. So 2012, 14, 16. So he's on his fifth term then? Right now? This season, in the middle of his fifth term, 2010 to 2012, or 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018's four. So yeah. So, or he's in the midst of his fourth term, actually. All right. Uh, he announced that he just uh, can't take it anymore. Uh, and uh, Mainly because of Trump and uh, the continued uh, partisan uh, unibrow divisiveness in Washington, where they're fighting over literally nothing. Well, I mean, the Democrats are fighting for something. Republicans really aren't fighting for much. Uh, that he is he's out and he's going to go independent. He's also further intimated that he may consider uh, running for the presidency uh, as an independent as well. Before we offered any commentary on this, what I decided to do over the weekend while we were away is post this on our Facebook wall. And invite uh, you folks to have your say first and dictate what we were then going to have to say about this. I mean, the direction of not necessarily what we have to say, but the direction of of the conversation about this when we got back on the show today. Would we have, gentlemen, over 200 some odd comments to this? Oh, it was over that. 600. Yeah. 600
2: comments. Yikes. Apparently our uh, that one got through on Facebook. Yeah,
1: Facebook permitted you to to see that one apparently. So uh, we so we had 600 comments on this one Justin Amash uh story. Have have we received 600 likes so far this year on Facebook? I I highly doubt it. We no, we might sure. be getting no, we didn't. Uh, no, it's not even close. Maybe a hundred. Maybe if they're benevolent overlords. All right. So I have not looked at any of these comments and I did it on purpose cuz I didn't want to I didn't want to game the sample of what we'd be discussing, and then I also didn't want to get stuck in the muck and mire of what was going on there. Uh, Rather, I decided to let you guys have your say first. Todd and Aaron, you have selected the comments that you think we should bring out of the 600 some on that have been received. Uh, You've selected the comments that you guys want to bring to the forefront and have us
2: discuss here on the show. That is correct. And we will start with uh, Greg Waxman. I believe until there are term limits for both the House of Representatives and the Senate, we will always have stale leadership whom work for their own benefit and not the public's in a time when I can't think of one industry that gives you 30-year career politics, does it at the expense of a nation.
1: The only other one is uh, higher ed yep. with tenure. And what do those two have in common? Uh, they're both uh, fully subsidized. Yep. They don't have to compete for, for, the, for the most part on any kind of an open market. All right. So uh, I agree uh, that, and that's why I'm a, an advocate of term limits. In fact, one of the reasons I haven't voted straight ticket Republican in the last 15 years, other than my own disdain for the party, is I just started voting term limits. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why anybody needs to be in the U.S. Senate for more than uh, 12 years. Two terms is enough. I don't know anybody needs to be there longer than that. It, and, and don't tell me, and I'd say this to my friend Ted Cruz, I, I, I don't know why you need to be there more than two terms. Uh, Jim DeMitt left, you know? Texas is a big state. I got to think there's somebody else there that's uh, just as peachy as you are and can do the job because no, yeah. this is why nobody I, gets more principled the longer they're there. Yeah. I don't think anybody needs to be in the, in the house for more than six terms, 12 years. That's enough. If you can't do a job in which you were sent there to do in 12 years, then we send somebody else and go do another job. You know. So I, I, I agree with that meta narrative wholeheartedly.
2: All right. Will Stauff says, I wish he was leaving the party for better reasons. His rationale on Trump needing to be impeached is a purely political play and not a principled one. He's not standing up for anything solid when it comes to this attempt at impeachment. Sounds like a guy who's trying to get an ego stroke from the press. No different from uh, what McCain would do. We can sit here all day long and lament about where the party is going and how they don't stand on principles. Actually, Amash's departure only hurts the conservative movement. Because of his actions that led up to where he's at today. Can I add one one thing real quick? Sure. Um, did you 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 guys both read um, you you guys both read the op-ed from Amash. I did I did. yeah. Uh, two things that were never mentioned impeachment Trump, which was smart on his part. not smart running it in
1: the Washington Post or on Independence Day or on Independence Day. And the reason why is because when you do those two things, it opens you up to this line of criticism that you're, you're grandstanding, that your declaration of independence somehow is on par with the real one, number one. Uh, and then number two, you're doing it in a in a newspaper that at this point has just zero interest in telling the truth about uh, the audience that you are intended to trying to, you're in, you, you, I would assume, are trying to reach. Now, I don't know Justin Amash at all, and we should try to get him on. Actually, I probably should have sent you that message over break, but I forgot. So now that we're here, Let me just tell you live on the air awkwardly, if you don't mind.
2: Hey Todd, you should try to get him on. Let's try to get him on,
1: okay? Um, I don't know him at all. Uh, I've always said, despite some fundamental disagreements I have with him, because he is a pure Paulian libertarian. And this is not, and because of that, by the way, if you know the history of Ron Paul, this is very reminiscent of what Ron Paul did. Ron Paul left the Republican Party for a while, went to the Libertarian Party, even ran uh, as the Libertarian Party's nominee for president, I believe, and then came back to the Republican Party. So this is not unique. Um, and, but I've always had a lot of respect and I still have a lot of respect for Amash overall because I like the way that he's been willing to critically think most things through and the way that he has been transparent and where he's coming from, even when he takes votes, I don't agree with. I thought that the, that the kvetching he did on the Trump impeachment part was a departure from that, which is why I did not respect it. In terms of what his motivations are, you know, I was doing a radio interview in Denver, Colorado, the day after this announcement came, and the host, uh, Randy Corcoran, asked me about it. And I gave—I'll give—I'm going to give you in the audience the same answer I gave to Randy, because this is—you know—Justin Amash, the Freedom Caucus guy, of winning the original Tea Party congressman, and a guy that you know hosts like Randy have admired in the past. They just don't like the way he's behaving right now. And you know, I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll go to the great first century uh, Rabbi Gamaliel here and paraphrase him a little bit. If what Amash is doing is righteous or not, there's really no need to get in the way of it because what happens next will reveal, right? How he handles his business next will, will give you an idea because the, the, the issues that, that Amash raises in his Washington Post op-ed are issues that existed within the Republican Party long yep. before Donald Trump came along and they are the reasons by the way so many people that used to like Justin Amash turn to a perceived outsider like Donald Trump because of the of the concerns and the and the things that Justin Amash raises. I think the challenge for Justin Amash going forward and it's a tough line to walk, I know. I've got a little experience with it in my own career. But you it, it's not that you can't tell the truth about the criticisms you have with Donald Trump. It's that you need to do it, A, while holding, you, you can't do it while taking the risk of not holding Democrats accountable. Ben Sass was going down this road at this time last year. And we were very critical of it. Now I think Ben Sass has kind of figured it out. And now he won't like return our calls, but I don't care. I'm, I'm more interested in whether he does a good job or not, whether he comes on the show one time ever for 15 minutes. You also can't do it in a way that shows you're alienating the same base that you potentially have. You don't You don't have to agree with what people's, if you don't think Donald Trump is the remedy to people's complaints about the system, that's not the issue. That's an issue for some. But every politician and every political movement has its cult of celebrity and cult of personality and, and Trump has his cult as well. The reason we've survived on this show, I'd like it to believe, I'd like to believe my ego would, we're just that good, we're just that talented, we're just that wise. I really think the reason we've survived in this environment is because we haven't forgotten why so many of you turned to Donald Trump. We don't, we've never doubted and denied your concerns about why you, about why you wanted a candidate like Trump. Our doubts have been whether Trump was the actual candidate you thought that he was. Not that you were wrong to want somebody like that. Somebody who's independently wealthy and can't be bought off by the Koch brothers or pick your special interest in the GOP. Somebody who is, it comes from the outside. Somebody who isn't ashamed to be around you and isn't ashamed to talk about your cultural flashpoints that you're concerned about. Right? We're, I mean, I, there's, I, I, I'm not a, I'd love to have a candidate like that. And, there, and more times than not, I will admit, Trump has shown to be that candidate more than I thought he was ever going to be, which is why I didn't vote for him in 2016. The challenge for Justin Amash will be to walk that line. Because one day Donald Trump's going to go away. Either he'll be term limited out, you know, they'll impeach him, he won't win re-election. There's a myriad of ways that Donald Trump won't be president. Barack Obama was omnipresent in our lives for eight years. Now, frankly, his uh, pot-smoking daughter and lung-dart um, inhaling daughter makes more headlines on a daily basis than he does, which isn't right, by the way. But it's the world we live in. The same will be true of Trump. Now, you know, if, if the, the longest, as long as he's alive, he will not just go gently into that good night. He'll have a platform and want to be heard, but he won't be as omnipresent in our lives as he seems to be now. And yet all this, all the same issues with the Republican party that were there the day before he came down the escalator in 2015, are they going to go away guys? They're all still going to be there. And I think the challenge for guys like whether it's Ben Sass or Justin Amash or Steve days, frankly is not to get sucked into the orange man, bad Cheeto, Jesus yep. saves vortex. And realize that there's a great big world out there. I was just having a conversation with my publisher. We were having an honest conversation about this book right here, Truth Bombs. And they were very surprised it didn't sell more copies. I am and I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I am surprised because I have a pretty big platform to push it and I have an ego. And since it's my words, I kind of think it's well-written, but you, we all think our farts don't stink too. But I'm not surprised in that if you go into this conservative sphere right now or into this and really the political sphere in general. There's just not a huge market for books that don't either proclaim Orange Man Bad or Cheeto Jesus Saves. I wrote a book with the intent of moving beyond that debate. But the market wants to really be fixated on it at the moment. And I think what the challenge for Justin Amash will be, I disagree with him fundamentally on some things, but I also think he has some important things to say. And he's lived it. He's got experience to tell us about how they screw us up there. That I think is important. The challenge for Mr. Amash will be to not serve any wine before it's time. To not spoil your integrity and waste what you have to say. Pursuing orange man bad. So that later, when there might be more of an opportunity to say it, few will be listening.
2: Next. All right. This one is from Bill Williams. He says, I don't uh, have to agree with everything any temporary politician says or does. I don't know what's in his heart, nor do I care. I measure his actions and the actions of other men. I know this. Using the metric that conservative review applies, Amash has an A rating. He's talking about the Liberty scorecard. He votes with the president and the GOP the majority of the time on issues that further liberty. We are cheering losing his vote because he has a vocal disagreement with other men. In contrast, the new Republican heroes, Lindsey Gramnesty and Kevin McCarthy, who are appearing on almost every opinion show, posing as cheerleaders and spokesmen, both have an F score. They are the new GOP Fox News heroes. Sometimes we get the representatives we deserve when we abandon conservatism, history, and facts. This will not end well, and bad Republicans always lead to even worse Democrats.
1: I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, we we saw this uh, with Mark Sanford. I mean, if you didn't want to vote for Mark Sanford because of how he embarrassed that state with his adulterous affair and chasing his mistress, was it to Argentina or something, if I remember right? All right, I've got no issue with you. How many people kicked him out of the primary, though, for that? None, because they all voted him in the previous primaries before he criticized Trump. And what you did is you lost somebody who was one of the most reliable conservative, conservative votes in Congress and replaced him with a rhino. So that, that's where you do run into the cultish aspect of partisan politics, wholeheartedly. And Amash, all of Amash's criticisms about that, I believe, are right. I've shared and aired them many myself, which is exactly why I'm warning him it's a down power line. There's a mass audience for the conversation, Justin, you would like to have. But you have to figure out and be smart about the way to have it. You have any further thoughts on that? Either one of you?
2: Yeah, just choose your battles wisely. Just choose your battles wisely. I mean, if you, I mean, what, what, what's an, what's an issue right now that's been raging for two months that strikes at the heart of everything that Amash talked about? The problem is he's an open borders libertarian. That's the exactly. That's the problem with that issue.
1: But like, even in the impeachment issue. If you really believe Donald Trump should be impeached, why aren't you going
3: to the wall then? Yep. I mean, why aren't you going to the wall? Which is why we're even, people are this much on the fence. Right. Because of how he came out. Right. With that issue. And that Mm -hmm. was his first salvo. This is his second salvo. this had been first, uh, yeah, there would be people on every side of things. But I don't think they would be as quite as conflicted about what to think about.
1: Imagine everything is the same. He never puts out the tweet storm about the Mueller report. And everything's the same and he's and he and and he's watching government grow and he just gets up on July 4th and says, "I've had enough I'm out I' I'm, enough of these omnibus half no. bus ass bus bills I'm done I'm out we're breaking our word I'm not doing this anymore I'm out how much different would this all be getting played right now in conservative media do you think
3: significantly so yeah significantly so.
1: Agreed.
2: Uh, Let's try to get to a couple more contrast Bill's words with Robert King. Here are supposedly principled votes of Justin Amash Amash on the issues. He voted against Kate's law, voted against defunding sanctuary cities, supported military-funded sex changes, supported Obama's transgender agenda, supported releasing dangerous criminals from prison. Does he sound like a Republican to you? Not to me. He does not.
1: Actually, I think he sounds like a lot of Republicans, which is why I'm no longer one and haven't been for over three years. But I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Does he sound like what you think a Republican is or is supposed to be? No. All right. But but those votes are actually fairly well in line with what the Republican Party has become. Now, he's not voting that way because he's like Mitch McConnell. He's a true libertarian. He truly believes, hey, you know, we don't want to. He's a truly an open borders guy. Those are, you know. Um, uh, government can't legislate morality except when I want it to. I mean, I, he's a tr- he's a died in the wool libertarian, which makes him a little different than a typical Republican anyway. And, and he
2: understood and, his constituency too, which is why when he took some of those votes, right. he was very careful to under, to lay out his rationale. Right. And we respected him for that just because he was consistent, and not because we agreed with him, sure. just because he was consistent.
3: Absolutely. Talk. That's what I mean about how conflicted people are. I mean, you read that and you're like tracking with it because we've been not only critical of Amash in general, but specifically about some of these issues before, and then she goes all righteous, like you, know, like the other Republicans are, mm-hmm. are, are are the plumb line for how we should be handling things. And you just people are people are living on a razor, razor's edge of sanity in this party.
2: Uh, One more quickly. Mark Pretzeld says, uh, can you imagine if we all declared independence like a mosh? Can you imagine how different the GOP would govern if they knew they had to earn our vote instead of giving our vote, uh, giving up our vote like a cheap date? We have poor governance because we don't represent righteousness and truth, leaving a void for the AOCs of the world.
1: A lot of truth to that. You know, I, I once toyed around with the idea of trying to lead a movement when I was just a local host in Iowa of just getting people to register as independents. Because the party people kept telling me how obsessed they were with independent voters. Okay. Well, then let's just all, as conservatives, register as independents then. Maybe they'll pay attention to us. Hour two is next. We're back with our two live and on demand here on the blaze radio TV and podcast. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve day show. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, thank you for carving out some time. It's your convenience uh, to give us some time. If you wouldn't mind on the podcast platform of your choice, leaving us a five-star review, we would be grateful. Now don't lie. If you think this show sucks, we wouldn't ask you to lie, but maybe just keep those comments to yourself. Uh, if you do like this show, if you'd like totally embellish how much you really like it, though, we would appreciate that all the more Thousands of you have left us one of those five star reviews and we are grateful for each and every one of them Because the more of them that we get the more likely we are to find more people like you And therefore the more likely we are to continue, uh to get paid for these phony baloney jobs. All right Uh, Pop culture tuesday is coming up at the bottom of the hour and you know, it has to be a desperate situation If i'm going to voluntarily talk soccer in any context. But I think given the antics of the last couple of weeks, uh, it, it's begging for it. So we will address it to uh, the intersection of pop culture and conservatism here at the bottom of the hour. First, if you are thinking though that, that your carpets have had enough and you've got to go all in on a replacement, that is not cheap. Unless you plan on laying your own carpet. Remember that quote may not have the the labor cost in there. You might you not even have the padding in there so you're seeing these ads oh well you know it's uh, this price per square foot but what about the padding what about the uh, the labor costs all right that can be a, a rather uh, pricey Proposition. That's why before you go all in on replacing your carpets because of pet stains, give Genesis 950 uh, a try. Uh, It's an amazing uh, pet and stain and odor remover because it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors until they're gone for good. Uh, It gets right down into the padding there because, you know, you may be vacuuming your carpet and it's like, it looks nice. Why is that smell still in here? It's because of the padding, y'all. All All right? That's why you want to try Genesis 950, and it's also safe for your pets and your kids as well. You can even use it in your own carpet cleaning machine. Heck, you can use Genesis 950 to clean everything from the the nice quartz and granite in the bathroom and the kitchen uh, to those oil stains on the uh, floor uh, of of the garage. But where it really shines is getting rid of those pet stains and odors there in the carpet. If you want to try Genesis 950 right now, use uh, the promo code Blaze, and they'll give you a discount promo code blaze you'll get a discount when you go to the website genesis950.com genesis950.com so when the battle over social media censorship began last year one of the arguments we heard and I was one of the original expositors of this argument as well is hey it's a free market conservatives can go out there and build their own uh social media platforms if they wish and then i did a little more research and found, well, it's actually not really much of a free market. And I even posited on this show a few months ago as I did more research and learned more and evolved more on this topic that I could foresee a scenario where Google just doesn't let you have URLs, where um, uh, they just don't let you you know, update to, in their Android stores your apps. And Apple then does the same thing Uh, If you indeed try to create platforms where your Overton windows a a tad bit uh, wider uh, than uh, your progressive uh, leftist overlords are willing to permit on their platforms. And then, right, we had all those conversations, right, guys? And and people told me, and then I got emails, you're nuts, that stuff will never happen, right? Like a couple weeks ago, find out there's this competitor to Twitter I didn't know existed called Parler. And the only reason I found out about it is because it was in the news for um, all the wrong reasons. Because Apple, uh, with its um, um, uh, prideful CEO, demanded that this platform adhere to its terms of service. Meaning, you need to have the same Overton window we have, or we won't let you update your app so it's not paranoia when they're really after you. The head honcho there at Parlor, John Mates, uh, he joins us now here, live and on demand on The Blaze. John, it's a pleasure to have you with us, brother, and I'm already intimidated by that backdrop, how are you?
4: Awesome to be here, thanks.
1: So tell us a little bit about you and Parlor.
4: Sure, we, uh, we're gonna, we are the first uh, neutral social media, so we're not left-leaning, we're not right-leaning, uh, we are basically the first, in my mind, true social media. I like to refer to other social platforms as social publishers because they decide what you are allowed to have and what mm-hmm. you're not allowed to have and what you're not allowed to talk about. Whereas we just sit as a neutral party and uh, we want to make sure that everyone has a good discussion and that, that people can actually discuss politics, real world events, uh, whatever that whatever their interest might be. You guys are, are intended to be...
1: Primarily an alternative to a Twitter-like platform, though, correct? In the way you're, you're laid out uh, and things right of that now, nature?
4: That's, that's, for right now, that is what we are. Uh, but we are going to expand upon our features. We're, we're going to have some cool innovation coming up within the next year or so. Can you give our audience, those of
1: us who uh, went to public school, can you give us an idea? How difficult is it to, you know, if it, it, and you guys want to be apolitical, all right? But mm-hmm. the, we, we primarily broadcast to a conservative audience. So when we yes. hear from the GOP smart set, when they say to us, well, just, you know, it's a free market. Go build your own uh, social media platform. How easy is it to really go and do that, John?
4: Uh, I would rather have done about anything in my life than taken on this task. <laughs> <laughs> Says a man
1: who is posing with a backdrop with guns at his head. As you watch right now on Blaze TV, and he's like, I would rather do anything else other than this. Go, tell us more. Why?
4: <laughs> um... Well, this is really difficult. I, I didn't realize the extent of uh, the amount of work going into this that it would be. And I also didn't realize the, the uh, I guess, the controversy around being apolitical. Um, so we've, we've gotten a lot of heat from a lot of different companies. It, we finally secured a payment processor, and I don't even really want to say who it is because I'm afraid they're going to back out mm. when we finally start processing credit cards. Um, we went, we've gone through about five, uh, you know, for example, PayPal wouldn't take us. Um, we got a so-so on a few other payment processors, like a maybe, but if you get bad press, we're going to drop you. Um, and you know, we had our spit with Apple, which I feel like we're safe from them now. Um, after we got a very prominent individual, um, just accidentally retweeted, uh, a post about what happened with us. Um, Apple gave us some reassurance, but uh, that was just sheer luck. Um, I've had um, some more right-leaning apps that I've made uh, banned by Apple in the past over political views. So this is not the first time um, you know, so it, it's very interesting scenario. So you have banks that don't want to work with you, you have uh, credit card publishers. You have our uh, uh, processors, you have uh, you know app publishing companies, all because you're doing the radical thing of being apolitical.
1: So I have no experience on the tech side. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the production side of tech, lots of it on the consumption side, Uh, including I've probably spent the small uh, the gross domestic product of a small Latin American country. All right. But on the production side of this, I have no experience. I have a ton of experience on the production side within political infrastructure. And I want to draw an analogy for you, and I want you to tell our audience whether I'm I'm onto something or not. One of the one of the hidden ingredients I get asked all the time, you know, how come we lose our guys after they get elected? How come it seems like the clock is ticking, and and they're good for a while, and they succumb and sell us out? I get asked these questions a ton, and one of the answers, I mean, there's a basic human, you know, uh, there's the human nature answer you know human nature's fallen but there's a basic infrastructure answer that i don't i don't think unless you've worked in politics you don't understand which is you can't do a mailing to your constituents in your district or back home to your state without going through the party machine you can't unless you take 30 years building yourself an independent base like ron paul did you can't fundraise for your next election without going through the party machine meaning all of the machinery, I know we look at politics as either a calling or a scam and sometimes both, but it's also a vocation. It's a job. Right? And the and and you need vendors and you need assistance. You can't access any of the vocational aspects of politics without being attached to one of the two machines called Democrats and Republicans. So you can go there and with an independent, you know, I'm going to be principled and things of that nature, but at some point, the pressure to accommodate the machine will be overwhelming if you plan on staying there more than more than uh, you know uh, ninety days. Is that mm-hmm. analogous to what you have gone through trying to build an independent social media platform? If you know where I'm getting at, John.
4: I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think it's similar, except it's a little bit different. So in politics, you have the right and you have the left. Right now, uh, you have the Republicans and the Democrats. In tech, you have left or far, far left. Mm-hmm. You don't really have anybody in the middle, uh, apolitical or on the right. And like I, you uh, would
1: scream for like a Mitt Romney Republican to be running one of these companies right now. That's how desperate you are, right?
4: Well, at least to find some good partners. So we're, we're trying to partner with some people that are at least apolitical. Uh, one of the companies that's actually surprisingly very helpful for us has been Amazon, who's been very apolitical. They've stepped up and they've really done the right thing. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to more tech companies doing that, but I feel like they have too much power and something needs to get done about these, uh, because you know I'm, I'm a libertarian. I believe in the free market, but we, we, like you said earlier, we don't have a free market. We have either a few people who control monopolies or people who use their monopoly status to protect other companies so you mm-hmm. can't compete. For example, competing with Twitter is very hard, not because Twitter's any good at what they're doing uh, you know, in particular is because they, A, they've got years of experience that we've got to catch up to, which we're working on. Uh, but they also have a lot of friends in the tech industry who are going to look out for them to make sure not, no one really competes with them. So
1: you can do the good old fashioned rugged individualism, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I, I can come up with the intellectual property, the, 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 the data, the metrics. I can even produce uh, you know, I can take this from concept to production, but the idea that I could bring this to market directly to potential consumers without yeah. having to do business with any of these leftist progressive big tech gatekeepers, it's just not feasible, is it?
4: No, it's not. It's impossible. And, and to, to make that point clear, if you don't have an Android app, for example, you won't be successful. If you don't have an iPhone app, you won't be successful. There's only, well, Android has multiple gatekeepers. So Android has multiple stores. You could even load it onto Android apps yourself. So that's okay. But Apple, for example, if you don't work with Apple directly and they don't like you, you're not on the app store.
3: Mm. And
4: that's it, end of story. If they don't like you, you're done. Um, there's no side loading. There's no alternative. There's no competitive app stores to the Apple app store. There's no competition there. So it, it it's basically a one shot or nothing. The good news is they have given me... Um, a commitment to being uh, a neutral party in this, and they just want to uphold start uh, was it uh, industry standards and uh, good practices. But um, you know, you're taking them for the word on it. So um, right now, I'm not going to bite the hand that's feeding me.
1: Sure. H- how much of this would be alleviated by just saying, you know, um, we uh, every other industry in this country has to has to abide by a certain regulatory environment. Every last one. Except these companies are getting to essentially tiptoe between the, the raindrops, if you will, in, mm. it, while peddling and dealing in the most valuable commodity of them all, data and information. You know, sure. Because people say, well, you, Facebook is free. No, it's not. You have to give them your data. And they, yeah. they'd much rather have that than $5.99 from you. Promise. That's, that's worth a lot more. Than even yes. than twenty one ninety nine a month, or pick a number, it's worth more. All right. So, how much of this would be alleviated by just simply saying, "Hey, you know what, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Jack Daly, this is your intellectual property. You own it. We believe in freedom here in America. All right, but we're not anarchists. Okay. So you have to choose a regulatory environment. You're either a platform or a publisher." You may choose whichever one you want. It's your product. It's a free country. It's your intellectual property. We're not here to tell you or steer you into one or the other. But you now have to uh, you have to you have to play with this in the same playing field everybody else does. If you want to edit content like the New York Times op-ed page does, then you are in an environment where you are sued like they like the Covington Catholic boys are suing them right now. If you just want to be a bulletin board, then you're then with with very limited but specifically derived terms of service, then you can be that. But you have to choose one or the other. How much of this would be alleviated by that, John?
4: 100%. Uh, I think that'll help out a lot. Uh, That's the 230 exemption. Um, I think we need to take that one step further. And this is something I've been tossing around in the air right now. I'm not sure if I'm 100% committed to it, but I think that political views may need to be a protected class. Uh, You know, your religion's a protected class. Uh, your age, if you're over a certain age, for example, is a protected class. And I think your pol- political views probably should be, too. So you can't discriminate against somebody because you disagree with them politically. Uh, the problem now is if one political party wants to take over, they just need a handful of companies to all discriminate exactly. against people politically. And right. that political party's dead, no matter how many people follow it. John, I've given our
1: audience this analogy recently. Tell me if you think this one is appropriate or not. Imagine shortly after inventing the telephone. That Alexander Graham Bell became very concerned that people were using this new technology to communicate ideas he didn't agree with. And so he was going to be adamant that unless you aligned with his views, you couldn't have a telephone number.
4: That's a very scary thought, isn't it? Yeah, is that it's kind of... That's very real today.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I'm no fan of, of Alex Jones. I think he's a con man, okay? Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm also not a fan of? The idea that a major company like 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 YouTube can mm. publicly declare a private citizen dangerous in mm. word, in writing, and yeah. then say if you associate with him, you're in any way, you are dangerous too. And I don't know if, if someone if you want a if you own a, a bulletin board outside of a restaurant, a bagel shop, and, mm-hmm. and you put out there John Mates is dangerous, stay away from him. Yep. you're asked to get sued for that that yeah. that's not I, th- that's you know it's not that, okay that's an unequal scale in my view john
4: yeah well, and now and now if you were to go on facebook or instagram and post a picture like a selfie of you with an alex jones figure or a uh, pjw or milo uh they will take you down for being associated with that individual as well or they'll at least take the photo down uh it's kind of like let's make sure that these people no longer exist let's erase history Um, you know, another company that is uh, doing things similar is, uh, is Wikipedia who only chooses left-leaning media outlets to do their pieces, Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, for example, on Parler's Wikipedia page, we're still called Islamophobic, even though we have an imam on our platform, and we have a lot of actually good discussion, yes, there are some people on the platform who don't like that religion, there's some people who do, there's me personally who doesn't care, um. Either way, because you're supposed to have a discussion that doesn't make our platform Islamophobic, for example. And yet, if you only listen to the Daily Beast or Politico, that's how you can represent us on Wikipedia that way.
1: Where do you guys go next as a platform, John? And how can our audience access you?
4: I want to start doing what Facebook uh, was supposed to do before they did their bait and switch. We want to partner with publishers. We want to make sure that content creators with unique content are making money and we want to make sure that everyone's benefiting from the content they're creating. If you think about it, good quality content is a limited resource that you don't get to see a whole lot of every day. You can't go through every single uh, item on the platform and view everything to decide what's good and not good. So it's a, it's a limited commodity and that the person who created that good content should be rewarded for it. And, uh, and that's how we should be rewarded by, by giving them the, the best tools to get their message out there.
1: How can our audience access Parler?
4: Sure. You go to uh, parler.com, P-A-R-L-E-R, or download it on your app stores, uh, P-A-R-L-E-R, not O. You, If you download it with an O, you're going to get a very different app.
1: <laughs> now, one of the things I've said to our audience about Twitter is it, it's not America, but the people who like to decide what you get to talk about and see in the media live there at the same time. And so yeah. I would I, I always tell people it's a black hole and I and I primarily use it the way I used to use AP wires and Lexus Nexus searches it's a it's a way for me to stay updated on what's going on in the world um, conveniently at my fingertips can they use your app Parler in a similar way as well uh, to access a lot of, instantaneously a lot of different news sources uh, oh, across yes, the spectrum to stay up to stay up to date and informed.
4: You you can stay up to date, you can stay informed, you can follow uh, a lot of the major people that you also probably already follow on Twitter. Uh, You know, what I view, I view uh, that platform as what I would call kind of a hate haven. It's uh, one political view. Uh, They publish what they feel they want on their platform to be seen. And so what we've done is we've created very uh, apolitical algorithms so that they're, they're so simple, I don't even mind explaining them or making them public knowledge. Our trending is just things around you uh, your feed is chronological, so it's in order of date. All of this stuff is very basic, very simplistic, and there's no funkiness being messed with it by us. It's very transparent.
1: Yeah. For those of you that are kind of new to this world, or maybe you've kind of begged off of Twitter because it is kind of a black hole and you're hearing John say that, you're like, that sounds pretty basic. Folks, you've got to you gotta actually reconfigure your Twitter account to get it to to these default settings that John just articulated. And that's trusting that after you do reconfigure your Twitter settings, that Twitter is allowing that reconfiguration to take place. OK,
4: yeah. it's, I mean, it's all I, really I, a trust game. Yeah. There's no there's no transparency. in most Right. Of this I, I'm stuff.
1: not an instant follow back person. Otherwise, because then my my feed gets polluted up with everything. So I oh, only yeah. follow a couple of hundred people. Most of them are newsmakers uh, or, or, you know, uh, content aggregators. And it's a miracle, even though I have latest stuff first on Twitter, I will go months and not see stuff from sites that I know and accounts are updating constantly. Mm-hmm. OK, so there you go. John Mates uh good luck with the uh, the platform. Hopefully we gave you a bit of a boost here uh, on the blaze. Thank Thanks you. for being with us today, John. God bless you. Okay, take care.
4: Thank you very much. Take care.
1: Gentlemen, your thoughts on the conversation we just had with John Mates from Parlor.
3: Well, I, I like his uh, reaction to the long-time conversation we've been having about uh uh platforms uh versus publishers and and the uh telephone analogy because listen, when it comes to ideas, the the mistake uh that can be made on this is that we're being a hypocrite, but that uh, we're just mad that it's our ideas that are getting banned and we'd be just happy to ban other people's ideas. If it's just about ideas, yeah, this is ultimately about beating theirs. We understand. We talk about a civil war. Absolutely. These uh, ideas have existential consequences. We are trying to beat them. Uh, But, the way we do that, it's about no Trojan horses. The word was just meant uh, transparency in a platform. We got a shot at doing that mm-hmm. if it's really a platform, but if it's all this subterfuge, if it's all this cloak and mirrors, if it's as if you will, uh Spider-Man far from home, if we're basically dealing with Mysterio, which is what Twitter is, these platforms that claim to be, Oh, come the public marketplace. It's not the public marketplace. It's Mysterio manipulating you. That's, what we really have to fight because as we believe with our ideas you let the lions out of its cage we're going to win so it's not about yes we want to beat their ideas but we believe we can in the open field they know they can't and that's the issue
2: yeah that's well said Todd and i was fascinated that uh, john described himself as a libertarian uh, i mean he's got a freaking grenade up in the corner of his uh, shot that was that was amazing um, but yet he recognized the exact same thing that we've been talking about for months here, is that essentially the, the, the bottom line of all of these conversations, this, this you know, dozen or so probably over the last uh, two to three months, conversations we've had about this very issue, he recognizes the bottom line is that we are, we are right now witnessing, when it comes to social media, not a free and uh, open um, marketplace, that that's what we're that's what we're witnessing right now, and we're witnessing that huge companies. And I can't remember who tweeted it. Um, I think it was Elliot Hamilton. I think he's what the he used to be with the Daily Wire. Unpopular opinion: Big companies or big tech, in this uh, case, are just as a th- as big of a threat to liberty and freedom as big government is. Mm-hmm. And we are witnessing that over and over and over again. And yet we have people. Uh, seemingly, who want to bury their heads in the sand and say, "Well, we'll just uh, uh, you know, um, it'll magically work itself out." We led the interview. You know, a competitor will, will work its uh, will. You know, if it's good enough to compete with Twitter, you know, it'll come. This is the this is the free and open marketplace. Um, we just heard him at the very very beginning of the interview say, uh, "I would rather be doing anything other than this because essentially it's such a cluster trying to work in big tech and with big tech." So um, kudos to him. I hope this. I hope this works out because I went on the record a, a few weeks ago and saying, even though I do believe that these big tech companies like Facebook and YouTube, Google at all, should be forced to decide whether or not they're pu- publishers or platforms. I still believe we still have time to um, hopefully support a competitor. But you're hearing how difficult and challenging it is when, as it, in his own words, John said. In the, uh, in the tech world, there's either left or far, 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 far left. And that's just a really difficult water to wade through.
1: I mean, if, you're, if you use Twitter, click on the moments on a daily basis. Yep. And, and these are things that, that Twitter, as an entity, decides to highlight and single out for its users. And everything you will see, and I mean like everything, folks, everything, is... Is descri- when it, when it delves into anything of political or cultural significance, is described and detailed in the f- most far left, favor leftist favorable uh, filter and view of things you could imagine. I mean, I, I've you know I haven't watched the channel recently. I, I've been on like over fifty appearances on MSNBC in my career, and I was posed questions in those appearances. With a more objective premise, and I'm not kidding you. All right, I'm not saying this for effect. I mean this, as my teenage daughters say constantly nowadays, literally. Okay, the I, I was given questions with a more with a, with a with a more objective premise in my over fifty plus appearances on MSNBC over the years then you will see in the way things are presented when it's of a political or cultural nature on Twitter's moments.
3: Because there's no risk of you responding back to them in real time. Right. And
1: so you have to ask yourself, if, if, if the people who are running this show, when, they, when it's their turn to use their platform to express their views, they do it thusly, you have to ask yourself, how much longer are they willing to, as they continue to grow, and continue to monopolize, how much longer they could be willing to say, you know, I, I, I'm going to let you use my platform to completely deconstruct and undo my religion. I mean, I wouldn't. Like, if I owned a platform like this, there's no way Planned Parenthood would have an account. That's,
3: yeah, that's my point.
1: No way. But I'm an ideologue, you know. That's why I'm in this business, and not in the not in that, their business. If they want to, if they want to get in this business, by all means, do it. Let me tell you, though, here's why they won't do it. Here's why they won't. It's the same reason in the 80s and 90s when media bias was first becoming prevalent. And even to this day, it's the same reason they won't just tell you we want the Democrats to win and just treat you like an adult and be honest with you. It's the same reason they won't tell you that. Because whatever Fox News' viewing ratings are now that are kicking their ass, the minute they just come right out and say it, the minute Tony Stark says, I am Iron Man. And now there's all kinds of more superheroes, right? <laughs> the minute they do that, Fox and all of its conservative competitors <laughs> go higher. Their market share diminishes all the more. The only reason they have any market share at all is the, is, is the last left remaining vestige and allure of, of objectivity. Here. Here. I mean, the minute, the minute, I think I call him Jack Daly, I meant Jack Dorsey. The minute Jack Dorsey at Twitter comes right out and says, guys, I, I was hanging out with a, a shaman in Pakistan last week, and here, here's a photo of me having lunch with uh, Colin Kaepernick. What'd you think was going on here? I mean, let's just be adults and stop lying to each other. I'm not going to pee on you and tell you it's raining anymore. How many, what do you think the user account at Parler, hap, what do you think happens to the user account at parlor the next day? Up, 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 up and away. That's what happens. So they're going to lie as long as they can until they have a monopoly and then they're going to tell you the truth because that's what darkness always does. It always pretends to be objective or to be accommodating until it figures and realizes it has the advantage and then the iron grip tightens. And that's the definition of tolerance. Yes, and that's what's going to happen here unless you head it off at the pass and say, we have reasonable regulations in place for a reason. If you guys want to do what the Steve Daces of the world do on a much larger, grander scale, cool. That means you're a publisher. And that means when you declare Alex Jones as dangerous, you better have the goods. Otherwise, he'll be suing you for your stock price next month. Okay? And if you want to just be a platform where people can share their family photos and things of that nature, and as long as it's and you have a very strict term of service, nothing that dangers children, is explicitly racist, and, but, and there's, a, there's a transparent po- process by which people can appeal your terms of service, then you can do that. But it better be one or the other. They're going to run out the clock until they don't have to make that choice. And then they're going to align. If we don't make them make that choice, they will then align with government to give you no choice. That's the history of how progressivism operates. We'll get to Pop Culture Tuesday here next. Stay tuned. Real estate agents I trust was started because there is so much frustration with buying or selling a home these days. Maybe no sense of urgency from your agent, no return phone calls, no real marketing. And the answer is always, let's have another open house. All right. Uh, That's why you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust. And you're looking for one that checks all three of these boxes, has a track record of being successful in real estate. Number one, that may seem like an automatic and basic. Don't take it for granted. Number two. Um, somebody that does do their homework when it comes to the algorithms and the data out there but every 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 algorithm has its outliers and that's why you can't spare the details it's it's not a paint by numbers cookie cutter process okay and then thirdly, someone that you have a rapport with I mean that, that you connect with because if you can't trust or like that person when you're gonna ask things of each other often at the last minute, the odds that a highly relational process will end up being successful for you, are not high. So if you would like a real estate agent that you can trust because they check all three of those boxes, then you want to check out the website, trust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get to it. It's Pop Culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection between popular culture and conservatism uh, each week here on the Steve Day Show, radio, TV, and podcast here with The Blaze. So, the women's world cup. I want to start with a basic question. Um, Todd, as the soccer aficionado here on the show. And, and I said this at the top, do you think it's fair for me to say that while my, my takes and analysis of the sport of soccer might not be correct? I'm not ill-informed. Do you think that's fair?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely
1: I I did cover it professionally. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm not ill-informed. Okay. Um, and maybe I just missed it because I'm not a, an aficionado and I'm not in fact, you know, the last time I watched a soccer game that I wasn't paid to witness was when was the Brandy Chastain game. What was that back in 98, 99, 99. Like that? Okay. Called the 99ers. Yeah. So um I, I my first question's a pretty basic one. Did they play soccer these last two weeks? Were there games? A lot. They there were actual games. Yeah. Do you and Do you can you see why someone who is not part of the the inner soccer world, like myself, Aaron, were you aware that they played games? Um, what are we talking about? Exactly. So can 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 you see why those of us that aren't aficionados uh, or or, or um, supporters of the sport as a singularity might have been confused to think that this was actually a um, a, a two week symposium on the evils of the patriarchy and the Trump presidency, as to as opposed to a soccer tournament. Can can you see why we might have not realized actual games were played this entire time?
3: A little bit, but ironically, it's the very first game in this list of games that started causing the problems. And I think we did actually allude to that. The thirteen right, to this, one, the, the the
1: the game against uh, Thailand, Thailand. That's right. Yeah,
3: because not because of the fact that they scored that many goals but what they did after they scored the goals and it was just as classless then when they weren't talking about pay scales or gender or anything like that they're just they're led by a not all of them I mean there's some fantastic stories but the leaders are just a boorish toxic group of twits quite frankly
1: when when Pearl Jam went from coffee house um, avant-garde alternative, uh, you know, scene of uh, grungy Seattle to when you and I entered college in the early 90s, if you attended, uh, you know, an American university at that time, your orientation packet included copies of Nirvana's Nevermind and Pearl Jam's 10. Did you get one at the University yes. of Wisconsin? Because I got one of those at Michigan State. Absolutely. I mean, you, you literally didn't go anywhere on campus where somebody was not playing you, you could, in, in fact, it was like quadrifinia. You could hear like the entire album at once, because different, uh, you know, different dorm halls were on different tracks while playing it simultaneously. Yeah, is like, that
2: a, a real word that you just? It's did? an old
1: school music term, and it's a title of a ah, who, a who oh, album. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'm referencing it, and so now they're huge stars, and they're big, and they're commercial, you know, and you know Jeremy which I still think is the best song they ever did, uh, is you know winning uh, you know MTV Video Music Awards back when they still did uh, videos or played them on MTV. Now you're getting played your bumper music for sporting events, right? So they come out with their second album. I'm trying to remember what it was called. i want to say it was called Vitology. Yeah, I think so. Is that right? Yeah, I okay. think so. And, and it was in, uh, and now everybody's putting stuff back out on vinyl again because it's kind of hip and cool, but they put it like in a vinyl when you got the CD, it was like in, in, in a vinyl case like the old records. I remember because I waited in line to get it opening night when it came out. And I'm going through the track list and um, there's a song on the, on the album called Not For You. And the whole song is Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jams, uh, lament that their concert tours are so full of people now and their music has become so familiar now that he's getting annoyed by hearing the audiences sing along to their songs at live events. And the point is these songs are not for you. We're doing this for us. You're just supposed to just sit there and passively take whatever message we intend. And, you know.
3: That's, we, that's why, of course, the concerts were free.
1: Yes, exactly, right? I bring that up because I got a very not-for-you vibe from Mega Rapino the last couple of weeks. Like, I, she gave me a vibe that there were numerous times I thought, you know me, I'd actually love it if the U.S. men, I know I kid around about it, but it's precisely because I don't like soccer that I would love to see the U.S. men, like, destroy all, all the globalists in a game they actually care about. To me, that would be like the ultimate America and the horse you rode in on mic drop moment. Like, if we were like, you know what, we're, we we're going to mess around and get a triple-double. We're going to take soccer seriously for like a year. And we're going to punk, you know, Ecuador and the rest of your blank hole countries. And then we're just going to go. And then we're going to do it once, make a statement, and then we're going to go back to, you know, playing sports people care about. Like, that's like, I'd love, to me, that's like the ultimate America in your face I'm all in on. There were multiple moments these last couple of weeks I thought, you know, I I just, I like it when we kick your ass. So, to me, ass kicking is a transcendent event. I, I don't... It can be done in any particular context. I'm okay with it. And every time I thought, I'm gonna tune in, that woman just gave me a vibe like, this is not for you, Steve. We're not we're not here for you. We don't want you to watch. We don't want you to be a fan. Uh we're here, we're doing this for us.
3: There's a lot of that going around. A lot of that.
1: You so you think that's a fair observation oh, on my part?
3: More than fair. And this again goes to what you how you reacted to Jesse Kelly. I believe the word he said, it's it they don't love their country. This is an infiltration. Mm-hmm. She she said, "I want to leave soccer better across the world than it was when I found it." You can't do that across this world, preaching this pagan gospel. There, there's all parts of this world who don't think like this, and you. One of your f- tweets within 24 hours of it, you're you're talking about that uh, uh, there's been gays on every team that's ever won a championship and everything. This is just gay science. Tweet, there's uh and then there's Alex Morgan. Who's uh? It's one, You go into a locker room. You have your party, but they are putting this out on social media. She's out there twerking. The all these young girls that they want to influence the next generation. Uh, they're they're trying to brainwash them, way more than simply yeah, you influence see, them.
1: That's that. There's a there's a that's exactly it. that's the that is what I got. See, there's a key distinction. You know, the the early Christian church everywhere it went, it was the persecuted minority because it was introducing an entirely different way of life. In many respects, the early Christian church was, was iconoclastic. It was trying to deconstruct mm-hmm. the cultures of paganism. And it was, it was, it was both an evangelism uh, and, and, and simultaneously an urban renewal program. I mean, this is why the Christian church dominated in the cities for, for its first several centuries. And the pagans lived in the rural areas where they could burn their wicker men in private. The Christians always went to the cities. Why? They were the influence sectors. That's where most of the people that needed to be saved were. Right? So the Christianity was the city religion. That seems weird to say now in America and in the West, it seems like it's the rural suburban religion and the pagans run the cities. Right? But it was the other way. When Christianity established what's known as Western civilization or Christendom or whatever term that you want to use, it began as the city religion and everywhere it went, it would be the marginalized community. That's why Paul was an excellent tent maker. Even, it, even the Lord had a trade, had a skill. He was a carpenter. Luke was a doctor, a physician. Meaning, you might not like the crazy stuff Luke is writing about this Jesus fella, but if you needed some hyssop on the Appian Way and Luke was the only doctor within shouting distance, guess what you guess where you went to for your hiss-up? Where'd you go? Luke. You went to Luke. And he was going to give you a sermon when you went there but he's going to give you the hiss up too right and and the and the and the christian church understood that if you if if you show a holistic view of of your of your god giftedness of your of your tender mercies if it, if everything wasn't a sermon all the time at least, you know, right. it's been, this. This line has been bastardized. It's an old line. I think it's Aquinas. Preach the wo- gospel and use words if necessary. Well, I mean, the gospel in itself. It's a bit of a fallacy, but I understand the send, the spirit around it, which is if all we went around doing was decree, repent, turn, burn, yeah. If that's all we did, the the, the you know, we would severely limit our ability to upsell. You know, the 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 compelling case for Christianity isn't jesus's messages it's his life death and burial and resurrection and then that's why you're like wow i kind of want to i want to hear what a dude who can do that has to say it reminds me of a of a, of a prominent black minister here in iowa that i've been friends with for a long time used to tell me about you know if, if he went back in the day and he's 30 years older than us he's in his 80s so he remembers jim crow and all those fights He said, you know, back in the day, if I showed up at a white girl's house, take her to the prom, her white daddy would be like, hell no. But if her little brother at that same house had a picture of Dr. J in full fro soaring through the air, his dad was totally okay with that. And then he realized, you know what? Because he loves basketball and Dr. J is great, he doesn't see him as black. He just sees him as Dr. J. Excellence transcends differences, right? Right. And, and this, is a, this, has been, this has been a way of life of the Christian church, which is, this is why we establish orphanages and hospitals. It was, it was the demonstration of the credibility of the stuff we're saying to you. I, I would like to just root for this woman who's a great athlete. And then her and I can debate gender and marriage the other 50 weeks out of the year. She gave me the message, though, that unless I am willing, let me put this in another context, unless, imagine if a Christian player said, unless you repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus, I don't want you rooting for my soccer team. I would tell her, and I'd be on this show saying it, that's a terrible tactic for the gospel. You're actually 180 degrees. Jesus didn't wait for people to repent and to be baptized. He came here and healed people. He took the initiative to welcome them. He went to them. That's what Christmas is. and we couldn't get to heaven, heaven came down to us, right? I get the sense, though, that's exactly what Megan Rapino and her ilk have done these last couple of weeks. Yeah. That if I'm not willing to affirm every vestige of their belief system, this is just simply not for me.
3: You're right. Uh, now, I do want to stress this right now. Uh, and we're going to find out they're going to vote as a team, whether they go to... Visit Trump or all that that stuff, but th- right now the, the the vocal it's a very very vocal minority uh, of the uh, players on that team. But to put a finer point on what you said last year, there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth when the U.S. men's team didn't make the World Cup; they did not qualify, and there was a lot of articles written about you know systemically where are we? I submit to you that this is the eighth women's World Cup. The women have now won four of them. The closest is the Germans with uh, two. They've never finished lower than third. They've won two in a row. They've been to the finals three times in a row. I submit to you that what the aftermath of what's going on now may have a greater negative impact on soccer in the States than the men not even making it last year because of how, if they don't learn a lesson and learn it right quick on how toxic they are being received. My daughter, going to be a sophomore uh, in high school, being recruited at the Division One level for soccer before the game on Sunday when we were watching it, she said, Dad, you know what, I can kind of take or leave a win with this thing. These, some of these girls just need to be taken down a couple notches. Do
1: hmm. you have any thoughts on this, Aaron?
3: Uh, it's, it is,
2: it's difficult, again, this is an area for some people, and we make fun of soccer a lot, and we make fun of uh, soccer friends a lot. This is an area, though, of culture. This is an area where, where you would think, you would hope it's athletics, it's people uh, reaching and striving for a goal. Um, you would think it's one of those areas like football where at least some sectors of the culture can come together if you're a fan of soccer, you can come together, watch a game, and not worry about our differences. It doesn't seem like that's the case. And I, I don't want to paint with a huge broad brush, but we had kind of a kicker topic a couple months ago on uh, on the Dace Group Roundtable one Friday. One of my buddies has season tickets to uh, one of the large MLS clubs um, in in the Midwest, and he's sending me pictures. And he's actually involved with one of the fan clubs for and has season tickets. And it's basically just all um, all dedicated, and it's uh, just pre- you know prevalent within this fan club and other fan clubs that this is just uh, a, a meeting area for leftists and people who want to be like yep. Western Europe. I, yep. and I again I don't or a Europe. Again, I don't want to paint with a huge broad brush, but it seems like something uh, for whether it's, it's true or not. But something about this is just like, uh, this is our sport. This is the other American sport. And that sucks for people like uh, my, my buddy and like Todd, who actually legitimately love the sport because it's apparently a fun sport. I wouldn't know because I don't watch a lot, but it makes it really difficult for those types of people because of what you just said. That this is all just for a means to an end. This is all just for something else other than all of the things we appreciate about athletics and about sport.
1: The means to the end part, we're almost out of time. That's the key statement. Because it's one thing to use your, your celebrity within a sport as a platform to air your views. I've got nothing against that, even if I don't How agree with do their I? views. It's another thing to politicize your sport itself. The NFL went down this road a few years ago, and it had nearly disastrous consequences. The NBA is doing it now. That's what we're talking about here with women's soccer. It's not Megan Rapino, best player in the world, and next week she's speaking at the National Pride Festival. It's that my sport itself will be... Yeah. The National Pride Festival. Yep, That's the difference. It's not yep. Tim Tebow says a prayer after he gets a touchdown in a game. It is, hey, right here in the middle of the game, we're going to take an offering. And you need to know that Jesus died for you. That's the difference. You're now politicizing the platform itself. and I And, and that's when you start weaponizing things. And that's what I saw the last couple of weeks. Hey, if you saw 60 Minutes recently, then you also saw the FBI's former head of cyber crimes warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and do it all online because that's where a lot of our mortgage notes and uh, our home titles are kept in databases online that can be hacked. If this happens to you, your bank can't help you. Your homeowner uh, insurance can't help you. Your uh, identity theft protection can't help you, but for pennies a day. Home Title Lock will. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title and protect your most valuable investment from scammers who want to borrow money against your collateral and liquidate your most valuable asset, your own home. If you want to find out more as well as find out for free, if your home's title has already been tampered with, just go to HomeTitleLock.com and register for that free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. One more time. That's at home.titlelock.com. Todd, this topic is right in your wheelhouse. We got about a minute. You have any final thoughts you want to well, say about it.
3: To put another exclamation point on it, she was named, uh, Rapino was given the Golden Ball Award as player of the tournament. Uh, she had the golden boot for most goals. Most of them were penalty kicks, which is no small thing, but she was taking the kicks for people earned because she happens to be very good at that skill. She didn't deserve to be named player of the game or she did not deserve to have the golden ball, um, but th- she was given it because soccer has become in the United States what you're talking about.
1: Mm. All right, we're going to stick around for our Blaze TV subscribers. Tape a little overtime uh, For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon Eastern, live on the Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317.
0: This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.